Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of the Mill Creek View newspaper. Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast. For you first-timers and long-time listeners, we are happy to have you. We are focusing on the volunteer state and our nation today with always an interesting person making a positive change in our community. This time, special guest Sarah Maccabee, wife of the Sheriff of January 6th, Ronald Colton Maccabee. But first, for more information about the Mill Creek View podcast, visit us anywhere you get your podcasts and socials at Mill Creek View, Tennessee. While you're there, please subscribe. It's totally free to you. Welcome to our People in News episode, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today, we're talking with Sarah Maccabee. And when the call came to stand up for our nation, Ronald Colton Maccabee stood and said, send me. January 6, 2021 was a historic day in our nation, one that will forever be remembered as the nation's foundation called Colton, along with many, heeded the call and went to our nation's capital that day to stand up for what's right. Injustice comes with a heavy cost. And yesterday, actually October 12th, 2023, we witnessed it firsthand as Colton was convicted by a jury that was not of his peers, a jury biased by their experiences on January 6th. This happened despite overwhelming evidence of his innocence, despite the prosecution admitting he was assisting the officers around him, and despite the evidence of Roseanne Boyland being beaten by Metropolitan Police Officer Lila Morris, with Colton trying to save her, only to tragically lose her life. Even after an officer testified that he thanked Colton for his help that day, it's disheartening to witness a good man's life being destroyed simply because he was helping those in need and upholding his oath of office. May God continue to grant Colton the strength to keep fighting this unprecedented battle. While we appreciate the outpouring of support, it's time to turn words into action. The prosecution of our fellow citizen continues because we, the people, are allowing it to happen. It's a stark reminder of the injustices within our society, enough is enough. I, Steve, got that from a trial update at givesendgo.com slash Maccabee, M-C-A-B-E-E. That's also a blog of his trial. If after hearing this interview and you're so moved to visit it and make a donation, the family would be grateful, I'm sure. Sarah didn't ask me to say that. That's from me, especially at Christmas time without their husband and father. Hi, Sarah. My goodness, how are you today? How is the family holding up and, and how is Colton doing? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on and giving us a platform to tell his story. It's a one day at a time thing. You know, going into trial, we saw the injustices, what happened before. And so we were not expecting anything less, but it's certainly something that no one wants to endure when they see their loved one's life being torn apart in front of them. And there is simply nothing we can do sitting in those pews. Are there kids at home? No, I say, thankfully, we don't have any kids, but then I was corrected to say, well, this would be the time that you would be having little ones running around your house. You know, we moved back to Tennessee to be with family in, during 2020, and we had finished building our house, and um, all of that went to the wayside in August of 2021. Wow. So here's how CNN described your husband and that day back on August 20th, 2021. Uh, still up at CNN.com. I want to get your reaction since I have you. A Tennessee man who was a deputy sheriff on January 6th and wore his Williamson County Sheriff's Office Sheriff's Vest to the U.S. Capitol is now behind bars after being charged in one of the most notorious police assaults from the insurrection. 
Authorities said they arrested Ronald McAbee, 27, on Tuesday after a tipster recognized him from police body camera footage on the FBI's, quote, most wanted website. The video allegedly shows McAbee grabbing a police officer and dragging him into the mob, all while wearing a black vest that says sheriff. He was still a deputy sheriff at the time of the Capitol siege. So I, I want to read the rest of it, but first questions. I have when reading anything from CNN, which has to be fact-checked, why did he wear his sheriff's vest? They used the word insurrection, but we now know it wasn't anything even close. Any idea who this tipster was? Uh, I haven't figured out who the tipster is, and I actually really don't want to know, to be honest with you, because um, I will have a very negative view of them for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, uh, because, you know, you don't go and turn in your neighbors for something that, you know, you knew who this gentleman was, if you were able to, you know, pick him out on, on the FBI wanted list. And you knew that what they were saying about him couldn't be true or about that day. Right. But I think it's interesting that all of these things, articles should be fact-checked because he did not wear his Williamson County sheriff's, uh, issued vest that day. It was a, just a regular ballistic vest that had no significant, uh, signature of Williamson County. It just said sheriff, a simple sheriff's badge that you can buy from anywhere. And when he was speaking to the police officers, they asked him if he was law enforcement. And that's when he pointed at his simple sheriff badge that didn't have anything to say where he was working. Wow. Um, okay. So is there video now with all the new releases that uh, the new Speaker of the House, um, Johnson, put out that prove that he grabbed a police officer and dragged him into the mob, like the article says? No, actually, there's no new evidence that has come out on his behalf. Um, all the evidence has always been out there about him. It's just very hard to find because they like to uh, push it as far down as they can because Roseanne Boylan is unfortunately in almost every angle of that day, uh, the specific ten, seven to 10 minutes of his case that they talked about. But um, I think the interesting thing about that is you don't want the audio played, right? So in the initial bond hearing of his, they didn't have the audio. They slowed it down. They sped it up so you couldn't hear what was said. But then when you play it, normally you hear him communicating with the police officer saying, stop killing that girl. I'm one of you. I'm helping. I know how to do that. All of that, inf all of that is being said on body camera, but they never played it in the bond hearing and they never played it in his trial the defense had to play it every time. Wow. Okay. So the article goes on to say Maccabee is charged with eight federal crimes related to the Capitol riot. And remember, this is back in 2021 that this was written, including assaulting an officer and disorderly conduct on the Capitol grounds. He has not yet entered a plea. A federal judge in Tennessee will decide next week last year, two years ago, if Maccabee will remain in jail while awaiting trial. The Justice Department said in court documents that they will ask a judge to keep him behind bars. Maccabee is the latest addition to a major case against seven men allegedly involved in the brutal attack of three police officers who waded into the crowd to help a pro-Trump rioter who was trampled, only to be dragged down the stairs, stripped of their protective gear, and beaten. Sounds pretty bad. The trampled rioter died of a drug overdose, according to Washington, D.C.'s medical examiner. Okay, today, reality, we now know the rioter, quote unquote, was Roseanne Boyland and didn't die of a drug overdose, but was beaten to death by Officer Lila Morris, who got a promotion, where the three were the three officers stripped and beaten and was the Tennessee judge any fairer than what we'd 
been what we've seen out of DC as they add terror charges to misdemeanors and hounded poor Matthew Perna, only 37 years old, to commit suicide. So um, the officers that were in the crowd weren't hurt. The officer, particularly Officer Waite, who was the one that my husband was protecting, acknowledged that he was helping him when they were down. He was protecting them. He was telling the crowd, no, stop, because they were trying to take his, they did take his gas mask from him, but he was over top of him. And then when he says, the officer says, get off me, man. My husband says, I'm one of you. I'm helping you. And the officer replies, I know, I know, help me up. And he rolls him over and he helps him back up the stairs. Now, the other officer that went into the crowd right before that was Officer Miller. Officer Miller was escorted back to safety by the protesters that were there. So it's just a complete disillusion what the media has tried to portray what happened that day in the tunnel. And mind you, none of those officers were trying to help Roseanne Boylan. None of them stopped Rose, uh, Lila Morris from beating Roseanne. And the protesters had to drag her out of the tunnel to get away from that and start CPR on her before they moved her back. And she was again given CPR in the tunnel before the officers ever decided to help. Okay, so there's one thing. On one hand, we have the press, which we know had very narrow focused information. The video that they were given for two years wasn't everything. We know this. But in a court of law, when you're defending somebody, justice, truth, honesty, raise your hand on the Bible, all this kind of stuff. How could what you just say and Judge Emmett Sullivan, what he said was that if he does not, if he does allow Maccabee out of jail pre-trial, he will not release him into the custody of his wife. You. The judge said he did not trust you to report her husband for violations of his continuation of release conditions. How is that even legal? I question how a lot of this stuff is even legal because the judge in the middle district of Tennessee allowed him out. After seeing all the evidence, hearing the arguments, there said that he said that there is no reason to detain this man. He was an upstanding citizen, and he's not judging him on January 6th. He is sim simply judging him on should he be allowed out pending trial. So he granted it. Well, then the government didn't like it, so they appealed it, and that's when it went in front of Emmett Sullivan. Emmett Sullivan, within five minutes, called him a terrorist on record without hearing the audio without just simply videos being played. And he said he was gonna go back into his chambers and listen to the audio and come back out with a decision. Three weeks later, he denied him bond, um, said that about me that he would not, he didn't even know me. I never had a character reference. I never had a background checked on, on me, nothing. He didn't know who I was, but he simply said he does not trust me. And I don't know how any of this is legal in any court of law. We are certainly not playing by our founding documents. Yeah, I mean, husbands and wives are supposed to have, uh, <laughs> I mean, if he did go to federal prison, there's conjugal visits, there's the ability to talk to lawyers together. I mean, you are a spouse that is a trusted uh, third party, which is unbelievable that a judge would say, I just don't feel that that person's trustworthy. That That's just outrageous. And so he should be disbarred immediately, I guess. But is it because he's a federal judge? He, there's no appeal to that. There's no mistrial that you could, and I, and I say you, but I mean, your lawyers could appeal for because he's obviously biased if in first five minutes, he called him a, a terrorist. 
So he actually was removed from the case. A Great. writ was filed, and because uh, we knew going to trial in front of him, we knew it was a 99.6 conviction rate, but still going in trial to, with him is a different story. And so he was reassigned to another judge. And actually during the trial, we did file for a mistrial because the prosecution sent back evidence into the deliberation room that was never admitted into the court but they did not allow a mistrial. They simply, the judge brought the jury back in and said, can you please see what you unsaw or please unsee what you saw? Exculpatory evidence. Wow. Yes. Okay. So we just have a kangaroo court going on here. All right. I want to go back to the article dragged into the mob. According to court documents, Maccabee has been in a had been in a car accident in late December. Remember this is January 6th and requested two weeks of disability leave for a shoulder injury while he was on leave, which I guess would be the Williamson County Sheriff's Department right here, he went to D.C. on January 6th wearing his government-issued tactical vest, which had two patches on it, one that said sheriff and one with the logo of the three percenters. Uh, they call him a right-wing extremist group according to court filings and footage of the incident. I am not familiar with the three percenters. I should have done more homework on that, but I know Guy uh, Refit. I think was the first January 6th defendant to actually stand trial and was found guilty on all charges. Seven years was Colton a three percenter and, and who were they in this whole mess? So actually a three percenter is a, it's an ideology. It's not actually a group as a whole. Now you have what Guy Reffitt was a part of, which was a Texas chapter of the three percenters. It was its own thing. But if you look up what a three percenter is, it goes back to the revolution saying that there it was only 3% of America that stood for leaving England. Oh. And so it goes all the way back to our founding um, fathers. And actually that was brought up in court and it was, it was deemed that it was an ideology that he was not a part of any sort of group, but they were talking about what, you know, where the three percenters came from 1776. And so they've tried to label people even, you know, we're in the South. The other day I was in a neighborhood and I saw a three percenter sticker on the back of somebody's car. So what they're trying to do is label these people. They've said the Betsy Ross flag is, you know, a symbol of terrorism. The three percenters, the signia is um, terrorism. And that's just simply not what it is. It's an ideology saying only 3% of what America was back then wanted to leave England. Hmm, I like them already. All right. So they also said, and I found this fascinating, especially based on what you've told us so far, CNN, we talked about grain of salt, everybody, CNN previously obtained the harrowing footage of the police assault after suing for access. Okay. They didn't want to release it. They sued for it. They got it. They watched it. Prosecutors also described the scene in Maccabee's incident and court filings requesting his continued detention. They knew what you're saying, if that's what the video shows, that none of this is, um, these are trumped up charges. One DC police officer identified in court papers only as A.W. was thrown to the ground by the mob. Prosecutors say Maccabee and another writer grabbed A.W. and began to pull him down the Capitol steps. Another officer tried to save A.W., but Maccabee allegedly punched the second officer repeatedly while wearing metal knuckle gloves. Maccabee then allegedly turned back to A.W. and successfully dragged him down the steps and into the crowd. After the riot, A.W. was hospitalized and received staples in his head to stop his bleeding. That sounds real bad. Did CNN share that video with you and your defense? And is um, attorney, your attorney, and is that the way you saw it on video? 
So if you turn on the audio, it tells a different story. So if you watch it frame by frame, like we did for a week and a half in trial, you see he never punched the officer. The officer came up to him. He placed, so let's go back. In the very beginning, when you first see him come around the barrier of the tunnel, he says you have a man down because officer Andrew Waite, A.W., was laying on the ground. And the rioters, protesters, to me, they're protesters. They can call them rioters all they want to. Pulled him into, were trying to pull him into the crowd. So what my husband did was he put his foot in between his legs. The officer was laying on the ground like a starfish. So he put his foot in between his legs so you could not pull him down. And as he's trying to pick him up, he goes to pick up his vest. Another officer, Carter Moore, comes up to him and hits him with the baton across his ribs and his shoulder. So he pops up. He throws his hands up in an open form fashion. Now he has these gloves on that have no metal in them. You can buy them on Amazon for $17. No metal, just reinforced knuckles. But he never even uses them. When that officer hits him, he shoves him away. And that's when he yells, I'm one of you. I'm helping. I know how to do that. While he is shoving him away, another protester successfully pulls A.W. down the stairs. When they're down the stairs, about 20 seconds, he's over top of him. That's when he says, I'm helping you. He says, I know, I know, help me up. He gets that officer back up and back to the line of duty. Hmm. So why was this pandemonium happening? Did the Capitol Police provoke this mob scene caught on tape? Yes. So if you go back maybe about 10 minutes before this whole thing goes down, they had um, the the protesters were in the the um covering they weren't inside it was still outside but they were in the tunnel and they had sprayed so much pepper spray oc spray into the air that there was no air left in the tunnel so there was a mass stampede to leave the tunnel but it, also if you look at footage there's people piled up there and so they're trying the protesters are trying to get these people out specifically um Philip Anderson was there and he was pulled out of the crowd Tommy Tatum was there pulled out of the crowd and they have testified that they thought they were going to lose their life that day, just like Roseanne, because it was just a pile up of people. And so they were trying to pull these people out and give them medical aid. In one specific video that was played in court, this person says, the officer's like, get out of here. And he's like, I can't, my legs are stuck. And so they're trying to pull him up. Once he finally gets his footing, he turns around to walk, he's non-combative, has no weapon. He turns around to walk out of the tunnel and they literally kick him out of the tunnel with their feet. The officers mm. do. Mm. And so you have all of this going on. And so this is why the protesters are so angry with these officers. They're not handling this in any sort of way that they should. And then you have a woman who is lying on the ground unconscious. They're yelling. She can't breathe. She's dying. And instead of giving medical aid to this woman, they allow this officer to beat her with a baton. What side of the Capitol was this? I've been there many times. Is this the west side, the tunnels underneath yes. the west side? where the, That's the Congress side, not the Senate side in the rotundas right. in the middle. Okay. Yeah. So, a, okay. Uh, so afterward, according to, this is back to the article again. I, it's really fascinating to see how uh, change of, of history this is. Afterwards, according to prosecutors, Maccabee approached the police line and tried to use his sheriff vest to get medical attention for what he believed might be a broken shoulder. Can I get in? Maccabee allegedly asked the police. He pointed to the sheriff patch on his vest and said, I can't go back that way, man. According to court filings, there is no indication that he was let in. 
quote, the fact that Maccabee engaged in violent assaults of fellow law enforcement officers while he himself was a sheriff's deputy and then attempted to use that status to obtain special treatment is powerful evidence of his lack of regard for legal authority, prosecutors said in a recent filing. <laughs> they called it a fact, right? CNN did that he assaulted police. I'll ask you again, is it a fact? And did he want special treatment after that incident? No. So clearly it wasn't a fact that he assaulted them. It's all on video. And they they even said at the end, their opening argument and their closing statement were two different things. At the end of it, after uh, after five days of trial, they had said, well, maybe he was trying to help the officer that was down. And maybe he was trying to help Roseanne Boylan. So you're sitting there thinking their entire story had changed. But they still press forward with it, um, regardless of and actually afterward, after trial, the prosecutor said, this is the first time I've heard the audio of him saying, I'm helping you. But the officer sat on the stand under oath and perjured himself by saying, I cannot hear what he is saying. Yet it is clear as day. He said what he was saying, but the little blip in between where he said, I'm helping you. He can't hear it for whatever reason. So it's very interesting how they're trying to completely turn things. If CNN had this footage, then they certainly had the audio that they didn't want to listen to. They never mentioned that he was trying to give life-saving compressions to Roseanne. They never mentioned that in the same audio that they were listening to, where he says he's a sheriff and he needs medical help, that the officer thanked him twice for his help that day. And the officer puts his arm around him as the crowd is surging up and protects him from the other people, the protesters. And the reason he says he needs help is because his shoulder is broken. It is shown in, in from the accident that it was broken. It was in a sling prior to that. And he's finally coming off this adrenaline high where he's trying to help the officer and Roseanne. And the officer acknowledges and he when he points to his sheriff's badge, the officer says, are you law enforcement? So clearly he's going to point and say that he is. He said that he's one of them. He has a sheriff's patch on. And so he shows them that. And so they completely take and twist these, what they say to be facts and twist them into this narrative that they've been trying to push. Which we didn't, would have never known if we hadn't seen the audio for and video for ourselves. And you say that the, uh, the judge didn't even use it as uh, uh Facts. So why did his defense of his attempt to save Boyland, why didn't it sway the judge or even, I mean, if there was divine intervention, maybe the prosecution, but wh why wouldn't that fact alone, that there was a dead woman, only two that I can think of on January 6th, maybe four, why wouldn't that have given him a get out of jail free pass, so to speak? He was trying to save somebody. So it did initially, right, with the judge in the Middle District of Tennessee, said there was no reason to detain him. He was an upstanding citizen. He could go home and, you know, do whatever, whether it was restrictions, his own recognizance, whatever it might be pending trial. But they didn't want that. And I truly believe they didn't want that because he witnessed a murder that day at the hands of the police officers that didn't that didn't do anything to help. Even after she was pulled into the tunnel, they broke the um, machines to try and save her life. Um, I simply believe they did not want to help her that day. Uh, but it didn't matter when it went to Emmett Sullivan because he's been on record on multiple cases calling them domestic terrorists, insurrectionists, all without even seeing any evidence. You know, this is a bond hearing. This is not trial. Um, and the only time he would have had a bond hearing in front of the new judge would have been less than 100 days from trial. And when he went in for that 
bond hearing. He had a new attorney and he said, I don't, I don't even want a bond hearing today. We're at less than a hundred days from trial. We are just simply going to get through trial because he knew with a 99.6 conviction rate, he would have been home for less than a hundred days, would have been found guilty and immediately taken back into custody. Wow. And this is all in the era of George Floyd, where all of the police officers were railroaded into jail and, and defunding the police broke out across the country and all this terrible stuff. And so it's a complete contrast to that, where somebody was in a life and death situation using their training and their skills to try to either save that life or prevent other tragedies in that same little claustrophobic spot. And this is the result when everybody's calmed down and quiet and the fog of war has died down and you can see videotape and this is the situation. So the article ends, several other members of law enforcement have previously been charged in connection with the insurrection. There's that word again. There are more than 575 federal defendants charged in the insurrection, which led to 140 office police officers getting injured. One U.S. Capitol Police officer, Brian Sicknick, here we go, died from stroke one day after the incident and four officers who responded to the Capitol that day later died by suicide. Okay. Putting a lot of death and, and mayhem into that moment. Have you heard from governor Lee or anyone in Tennessee leadership on for your defense to come to your support? No. So um, no, I haven't. Marsha Blackburn will not speak to me. Bill Haggerty will not speak to me. Um, I've tried to get in touch with Andy Ogle and Mark Green, and they say that there's nothing that they can do about it that it has to go through this court system. The only one that I've had a meeting with was Scott Desjardins in the House, and it took me getting somebody involved from Trump's administration for him to even agree to a meeting, 15-minute meeting that I had to go to Washington, D.C. for, um, and nothing has been done on his behalf. I haven't heard anything from anybody in Williamson County where he was working at the time. You know, you have this um, individual that was seven years law enforcement, welcomed back to any community that he protected. And he's now put on trial, literally his life at stake, what he is looking at 67 years, the uh, government's going to ask for 14 to 17 years when we go to sentencing. And, you know, when he came back that day, he told me everything that had happened. And we didn't know anything about Roseanne at the time, but he kept telling me about this woman that he was trying to save. And I was thinking to myself, you know, he should receive a an award for jumping into action that day and assisting at the expense of himself. Instead, the government comes and raids our house on August 17th of 2021. And I've seen him four times since then. So they're not only trying to break these people every which way, but as you said, you know, we lived through the summer of 2020 and you have the people that are like defund the police, you know, they're not doing their jobs, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you have January 6th and those same people in the same breath are saying, oh, well, those people should have complied. They should have listened to the police. And they just push this false narrative of the amount of officers that were injured that day. They, they pushed the narrative of Brian Sicknick. He did die from a stroke, but from negligence from his own people, not from what happened that day. They told him to go home and go to bed. They didn't give him any medical attention, but they don't want to talk about the four, pro pro four protesters that died at the hands of the police officers, which is absolutely sickening. Yeah, it is. Um, that's supposed to be the people's house, right? We're supposed to be able to go there anytime we want. Um, they gave you a public defender. Is he or she doing a good job? Uh, I know it sounds like a kangaroo court, maybe railroaded, and really you said 99% uh, conviction rate on this, but is the person that they handed to you doing a good job for you? Yeah, so we actually had private counsel for a while, um, and I had a very well-known attorney look at me and say, what are you doing? 
you are paying for a private attorney. You've spent, you know, X amount of dollars, an, an insane amount of money for a private attorney. Your husband's still in jail a year and a half later, and you're about to go to trial where they're going to ask for even more money. What, what are you doing? He was like, you need to get a public defender. You need to get through trial. And then you need to save your money for appeals and take it to a higher court. And I was like, thank you. After a year and a half, somebody was finally honest with me, right? Because we're taught comply with the police, comply with the FBI, like they're on your side and you do it. And then you get thrown behind bars. And then they're like, oh, hire a private attorney. Well, it doesn't matter if you have the best attorney. It's a 99.6 conviction rate. And so they did the, the private or excuse me, the public defender that we have right now. We really, really like him. Um, he is one who is able to put his beliefs beside and truly fight for the interest of, of um, this, in this case, my husband and the other January 6th defendants that he's had because he just believes that this is wrong. Everybody, you know, regardless of what side of the aisle you sit on, what color your skin is, what your beliefs are, you should receive a fair trial. Um, and it should be, you know, whoever the prosecution is should be the one to prove their case. But instead, it's the defendants having to prove their innocence. That's right. You want to give him a shout out so anyone who's in need of help can uh, contact him? Yeah, Benjamin Schiffelbein. He is a rock star. Okay, good to know. Uh, Tennessean, right? No, actually, he's from Virginia because it's a federal oh. case. Ah, yes, of course. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, do you have any hope Republicans in Congress will let these folks out? And if not, do you think Donald Trump would if he gets reelected? Um, I absolutely believe Trump would. I, I do know um, from personal inside scoops that is something that keeps him awake at night. Because, you know, those people were there that day to support him. And I think if anybody knew what was going to happen that day, they wouldn't have gone. And unfortunately, you were talking about in the CNN article, they had mentioned how many people had been affected. It is now over 1,200 people that have been affected by it. 208 individuals are incarcerated across America. And they're just absolutely destroying these people any which way they can. It is is two tiers of justice. Actually, it's probably even more tiers of justice that we just can't see. And so I do believe that there's hope. I don't know if he's going to get elected, to be honest with you. If we didn't fix 2020, I don't know why we think 2024 is going to be fair. Um, but I do believe if, if God has anything to do with it, he will get in and he will pardon these people. I don't have any hope for Congress. I do think it was a step in the right direction to start releasing this video and changing the narrative that the media has pushed for so long. But you look and see what happened, you know. Nixon was was impeached for 15 minutes of audio, and yet the J6 sham committee has literally deleted everything. There's hardly anything left from the January 6th Select Committee, yet nothing is happening to those individuals. And so you ask yourself, what kind of America are we living in simply because it is not for them? No, for sure. We got about four minutes left. Um, and and for Trump to do anything, that's over a year away. So I hope not that long for you. I, ho I hope something happens. But what have you learned from all this about the justice system and, and our government in general? I mean, if you had kids, would you want them to be able to see this America? You know, I'm actually glad I don't have kids because I wouldn't want them to grow up in this sort of America. I do believe that there's a lot of good people out there, but being complicit with this is the reason that we are in the position we are in America. And unfortunately, we have been ignorant to it for far too long because there are, you know, uh, poor stricken families. There are black and brown families that have gone through this horrific justice system for a very long time. And I do believe that we have now been given a voice and made aware of how broken the system is from the time that they can indict you to you going through your, your prison sentence. It's just absolutely horrific what these people are going through. And you know, as as 
people that are listening that feel the way that we feel, there are things that we can do. You know, we're not going to stop what federal law enforcement is doing. We're not going to change what the justice system is doing, but we can help these families. You know, there's 27 Tennesseans that have been affected by January 6th. And and like I said, 1,200 across the country. And there are things that we can do on a local level to help alleviate the burden of what they're having to go through. Mm, Okay. Well, the Maccabees, the heroes of Hanukkah, were a band of Jewish freedom fighters who freed Judea from the Syrian Greek occupiers. Hopefully your case will free Americans from the injustice occupying our land. Uh, Hanukkah begins next week. So that's my prayer for y'all. Uh, How about the American people? Have you gotten support or been treated badly maybe by what once were your friends and neighbors? Um, Yeah, so we've actually even had family that have left us during this time. But I, you know, I believe that people were chosen for such a time as this. And it's a very hard journey to walk for sure. But there have been absolute incredible patriots that have come alongside of this that I would have never met if it weren't for this. And so I am very thankful that God brought this storm into our life to shake the trees for those individuals that left, but also brought in wonderful people. Wow. That's beautiful. Um, Did they, did they raid your home? Like they portrayed in Dinesh D'Souza's movie police state. He was on here last week and told a pretty scary tale of, of today's America that you actually are living, not just sitting in a theater and watching. Um, It's not a movie for you. It's real life. Did they do that? Yeah. So the only thing they didn't do is bring in a battering ram. And that's simply because how our house was laid out, they wouldn't have been able to do that because our porch was raised. But they did bring in um, about probably six blacked out cars. Um, They did raid our house for about two to three hours. I have it all on video. They did leave our house in absolute disaster. Um, They even took a gun to our pantry and to our fridge. Like it's just pretty wild what what they have done. And they had already had my husband in custody. They were simply just going there to get the items that he wore that day. Um, But it was what they portray is absolutely what happens. So they could have just asked your lawyer to deliver it since he was already in custody, but they wanted the cameras, I guess, the CNN out on the front door and watching this. Yeah. Do they really sing God bless America every night? It's been almost a thousand nights. It must be hard to keep hope alive in there. Uh, Many of these guys have been in solitary confinement, worse than murderers and rapists. Is Colton being treated okay? Um, So he was actually, he is part of the the group that they do sing the national anthem every single night at 9 p.m. And they've been doing that for a very long time. Um, And they do, um, they are in solitary confinement. And he has been treated pretty badly. He's been moved six times to seven, sorry, seven times to six different facilities. It's called diesel therapy. It's a terrible form of punishment. The the process is the punishment here. That's for sure. He was actually assaulted in the DC jail, um, Labor Day of 2022. And so, you know, nobody in America should be treated the way these individuals have been treated. No, it was called cruel and unusual punishment. Now it's just business as usual, it sounds like. Um, So Rasmussen polling asked, how likely is it that undercover government agents helped provoke the Capitol riots? 59% of Democrats, 62% of Republicans, and 74% of independents. That's a huge number. Do you think public opinion can help sway these judges and prosecutors and I guess Christopher Wray and Joe Biden and anyone else who's going to be there for the next year or two to do what America's democracy is saying they would like them to do. 74% of independence is a huge number. Um, and maybe we have a, a, a Merry Christmas and happily ever after, or are we just going to be dealing with this for a long time? 
Unfortunately, I think people have been lulled to sleep. Even though we have our own beliefs, we are a bunch of keyboard warriors and we are afraid to do anything because they have used January 6th defendants as an example. And they're like, well, I don't want that to happen to my family. And so we are afraid to support. We are afraid to speak out um, simply because it might affect us personally. But that's what we have to do, right? We have to band together as one. We have to unite because divided we fall. And that's why we are in the position that we're in. So we do have to put pressure on our elected officials, they forget that they work for us, right? And so we have to remind them that we are their constituents and they need to do the right thing for their constituents. And so it starts at the local level, goes up to the state level, all the way to the federal level to say they need to absolutely do the right thing. Sarah, thank you for your time. We are praying for you and Colton. We are at the end here, unfortunately, but tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you and him and your gifts and go and your social media and how they can help you at this Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. You can go to linktree.com backslash Sarah McAbee. That has all of my information. I'm on Twitter at the real J6 Sarah. Um, I do post a lot on there about what's going on. And then also if you uh, feel like you would like to donate to us, it's givesandgo.com backslash McAbee. And there you can uh, every so often he'll put up a little uh, blurb of what's going on in his life. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes and, and we're just, we're just heartbroken for you, but we hope for the best. We really do. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for coming. With Columbia, Tennessee-based EnergizeHealth.com, you lose fat fast, simply and naturally without restrictive exercise or cardboard dry, tasteless food. Revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88-day science from John and Chelsea Jubilee. People report getting off medications and reversing ailments. Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof. Look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know. I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. EnergizedHealth.com. I don't understand how you ever did without me. I don't understand how I bring you down to your knees. Wow. Yeah, you're not on screen, Steve, but uh, what do you think of our guest, Mrs. Sarah Colton Maccabee? I'm coming up. Now I'm not on screen. <laughs> At least I don't think so. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Let's not make oh, uh, tough stuff, huh? Uh, uh, that's a heartrending story. Steve, there's injustice all over the world. But when we hear about the January Sixers, it just, it, it robs you of your hope for our judicial system, recognizing there are so many corrupt criminals that are in our legislative system, that are in our judicial system, that are in our House, Senate, uh, you name it. Every aspect of our public uh, system that we rely on for justice and, 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 and honesty has been corrupted to the core. And it's like they're all stuffed with people who hate God, hate their fellow man, and have an ideology that, that is contrary to anything that is good for anybody. 
And um, if people so haven't check, understood so that. Check out, check out givesendgo.com slash yep. Maccabee. We'll have that in the show notes. About 650 prayers, 1,216 donors, about $78,000, little over half their need of 150000 So if you can, give, send, go, slash Maccabee. Okay, let's see if we can turn the page and get into the Holy Spirit. 33 years ago, a little blonde kid saves Christmas when his self-absorbed family abandons him. We'll also test producer Steve's techno skills. His Christmas bonus may depend on it. Clip number one, please. It was the night before Christmas, and all through the home, one boy would discover he'd been left all alone. I made my family disappear. Ah! Kevin! Good job. Thank you, Steve. You are, you all probably remember that. I'm old enough to have seen it in theaters. So there you go. Theaters are these large seating rooms with a giant screen we used to watch movies in in the late 1900s, like this one, Home Alone, 1990. Uh, there's this great scene in there where he shows up at the store to buy stuff for himself. You can see the items he walks up to the counter with orange juice, saran wrap, toilet paper, dryer sheets, mac and cheese, milk tide, TV dinners, Wonder Bread, and a toy soldier or two. And she rings it all up and it's $19.83. He hands her $20 and goes on his way. Keep the change, he says. <laughs> Those same items, orange juice, dryer sheets, milk tide, all of it today come to $63.89. Oh. That's a 222% oh. increase divided by that many years a year, annualizing it 7%. Bidenomics 2023. Don't let him tell you otherwise. It's funny how the consultants are trying to get Biden to stop using Bidenomics as a talking point because we all feel it at the store. The last time he did his own shopping was probably also 1990. Yes. Maybe 1890, but 7% annualized. I mean, how'd you like an investment or pay raise equal to 7% a year? Your salary would double every 10 years. Jeez. That would be nice. All right. Section 241, Civil Rights Division, U.S. Department of Justice makes it unlawful for two or more persons to agree to injure, threaten, or intimidate a person in the United States in the free exercise of employment of any right or privilege secured by the Constitution or laws of the United States or because of his or her having exercised such a right. Two or more would be the wet bandits from home alone or these people I'm about to talk to you right now. Unlike most conspiracy statutes, 241 does not require as an element the commission of an overt act, like a, a beating. The offense is always a felony, even if the underlying conduct would not, on its own, establish a felony violation of another criminal civil rights statute, it is punishable by up to 10 years imprisonment unless the government proves an aggravating factor such as that the offense involved kidnapping, aggravated sexual abuse, or resulted in death, in which case it may be punished by up to life imprisonment and, if death results, may be eligible for the death penalty. Threaten or intimidate a person, right? Steve, is a man a person? Yes. Is a woman a person? Yes. Uh-huh. Is a Christian man a person? Yes. 
How about a Muslim woman? Is she a person? Yes. Trick question. And a Jewish man or woman, are they persons or people too? Yes. Not at Harvard, MIT, or Penn. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Harvard University has now been added to the list of colleges across the country under federal investigation for alleged incidents of anti-Semitism on campus. The Department of Education announced on Tuesday they're looking into whether Harvard failed to respond to allegations of harassment against Jewish and Israeli students in the wake of the attack in Israel on October 7. Shortly after those attacks, the U.S. Department of Education Office of Civil Rights released a list of the higher education and K-12 institutions under investigation for alleged shared ancestry violations of Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibits race, color, or national origin discrimination, including harassment based on a person's shared ancestry or ethnic characteristics. In a statement, the university said, we support the work of Office of Civil Rights to ensure students' rights to access educational programs are safeguarded and will work with the office to address their questions. The announcement comes just days before Harvard president testified in Washington, D.C. on the school's efforts to combat anti-Semitism. No, it's true. Listen to the three presidents of those universities in front of Congress tell us, we the people, how they don't feel Jews are people protected by Section 241 of the Civil Rights Division of the U.S. Department of Justice. And if your kids go there, your tuition payments pay their salaries. Check this out. Clip number two. Yes or no? If targeted at individuals not making public statements. Yes or no? Calling for the genocide of Jews does have, not constitute bullying and harassment? I have not heard calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. But you've heard chants for intifada. I've heard chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context, when calling for the elimination of the Jewish people. So those would not be according to the MIT's code of conduct or rules? That would be um, investigated of, as harassment if pervasive and severe. Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment, yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your if testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? If it uh, is, if the, yes speech or becomes, no. if the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment, yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The speech is not harassment? This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm going to give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. The answer is yes. And Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. What's the context? 
targeted as an individual, targeted as, at an individual? It's targeted at Jewish students, Jewish individuals. Do you understand your testimony is dehumanizing them? Do you understand that dehumanization is part of anti-Semitism? I will ask you one more time. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? Anti-Semitic rhetoric. When it and is it anti-Semitic rhetoric? Anti-Semitic rhetoric when it crosses into conduct that amounts to bullying, harassment, intimidation, that is actionable conduct, and we do take action. Okay, there you go, Steve. New York's Elise Stefanik, Righteous Indignation, questioning three presidents, MIT, Harvard, and Penn. Penn paid former President Amy Gutman nearly $23 million in 2021, according to recent university tax filings. The tax filings show that most of Gutman's 2021 earnings, $20.3 million, accumulated over the course of her 18-year tenure as president in the form of deferred compensation and investment gains. The high pay in Gutman's final year, which is likely a record single-year compensation for a college president, was first reported by the Philadelphia Inquirer. The university's most recent tax filings were obtained by the Daily Pennsylvanian. Gutman base salary in 2021 was $1.56 million, up slightly from $1.54 million in 2020, and she received a bonus of a $1 million. Then what happened? Oh, per the college fix, the president of the University of Pennsylvania became U.S. ambassador to Germany. They know a thing or two about genocide. After paying then-Vice President Joe Biden's $900,000 for a job at the Ivy League school that required no regular classes, you just heard new Penn president Liz McGill, sorry, M. Elizabeth McGill to <laughs> me, overpriced anti-Semite racist. She's their ninth president, was Stanford's 13th law school dean in 2020, was employed at University of Virginia, and had an annual salary of $607,500, according to public records. This salary was 698% higher than the average and 886% higher than the median salary in University of Virginia. Starting annual salary, base salary of 670,000, also a significant increase from the pay of current executive vice president and provost Tom Katsoulias, who made $419,100. There's some disparity right there. <laughs> He's mad. But it's all about the kids. Sally Kornbluth is named as MIT's 18th president. Look at that. Another newbie started 10-2022. Was Duke University's provost in 2014, where gain of function was created. During Sally Kornbluth's tenure as the provost of Duke University, the university settled a lawsuit brought by the Department of Justice relating to alleged violations of the False Claims Act. The lawsuit centered around allegations that Duke had submitted falsified data in applications for research grants from the National Institute of Health, NIH, and the Environmental Protection Agency. The settlement, which was announced in March of 2019, required Duke to pay $112.5 million to the federal government to resolve the allegations. Hmm. hmm. Look at a picture. Look at a picture someday of Mrs. Kornbluth. You probably don't want to spend quality time with that. <laughs> and Harvard University has announced that Claudine Gay will become its new president. She will begin her duties as the university's 30th president on July 1st, 2023. Salary of $879,079. Oh, Doing better than Liz McGill at Penn, but not nearly as well as Ambassador to Germany Gutmann. American campuses are infiltrated by thousands of Islamic hatred towards Jews. Professors are paid off by certain sponsors for two decades. A student of Columbia speaks up. Clip number three. University. 
On my campus, over 100 professors have openly advocated for Israel's destruction, justifying the murders of our Jewish sisters and brothers and defending their murderers. I have said this before and I will say it again. I am a black Native American Jewish woman and I will not be silenced. There you go. Do you know the story of Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Hagar? Yes, I do. Genesis 21, 8 through 21, the child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. God hearing the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand for I will make him into a great nation. And we all know the story of Abraham and Isaac going to sacrifice Isaac to God, but God stops him and says, the angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Sorry, Hagar. Isaac got the call, not you. Stay tuned for my thoughts of the day. Hi, I'm Kurt Riley. I'm the chairman with the Sumner County Constitutional Republicans, and you're listening to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast. Welcome to my quotes for the day. But before I share, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to Mill Creek View podcast. Just go to Rumble or Spotify or iTunes, search for Mill Creek View and hit the subscribe button and follow us. I really hope you like it. I've only got about three minutes for this puppy, so I'm going to do my best because I don't have them. <laughs> oh. Well, I can tell you this. I'll, fit, I'll pitch it. Steve. All right. Ten seconds. Can't do genocide on anybody. Period. End of subject. Period. End of subject. That's why it's that is a word for it. All right. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. C.S. Lewis. Think about that. All God does is watch us and kill us when we get boring. We must never, ever be boring. I don't like that one. That's Chuck Palachik, Invisible Monsters. Back to C.S. Lewis. The Christian does not think God will love us because we are good but that God will make us good because he loves us. And the last one, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the ex inexcusable in you. C.S. Lewis. I could go on for hours and hours and hours with that guy. But that's it for this episode. Thank you, Sarah Maccabee. God bless you and Colton and all the J6ers. And every night at 9 p.m. Eastern, you can sing God Bless America in solidarity with them and get a good feeling about it. Until next time, this is your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of mcview.us. Peace in our time and glory to God. And thanks for listening. Take us home, Steve. What the
doctor of the children and the pumpkins at the county fair. They were looking for America behind every turn, flying the very colors that so many love to burn. I'll cruise the countryside with my dad and my brother. Any views or opinions represented on the podcast are personal and belong solely to the creator and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the creator may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.